Hi, welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. I'm your host, Todd Broadbent. This podcast will be interviewing various teachers and educators who will be sharing their educational journeys, their ideas and thoughts on teaching and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. For the third episode of the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast, I interview close friend Melissa Zeisbelt. Melissa works in a special education setting, which she has been doing for over 20 years. Throughout this episode, Melissa will be sharing her extensive knowledge and vast experiences in special education. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Melissa. Welcome to the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure to have you on. I guess a lot of people won't know, but I've known you for a very, very, very long time. Um, I remember you being a volleyball coach for me, and then we coached together, and then we've played volleyball together, and then I guess our friendships kind of blossomed along the way as well. So it's uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. I am. I'm really excited, and um, and I'm pleased that it's you doing the interviewing because we do know each other really quite well. Um, I think you were about 13 when I first met you, so it has been a long time friendship that's you know been really important to me. So yeah, I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you on, and I look forward to having a bit of a chat with you about what you do at your school. Um, You're in a special education school in an education setting. So I'm looking forward to chatting and hearing your story as well. Great. And I'm really excited to share what we do at our school. And, you know, I think it's great to share things like that with other people because often special schools, people don't know a lot about them unless you've had personal experience. And it is, it's, it's really interesting. So I look forward to sharing um, my thoughts with you and everybody listening. Awesome. Well, I think we better get into it then. Great. Okay. First one is, can you tell me about yourself, what you teach and how long you've been teaching for? I've been teaching at my school for over 21 years. It's almost 22 years. It was my first school um, out of uni. So I went back to uni as a mature age student. I worked previously for the Bendigo Bank for 11 years and decided I wanted to be a teacher. Um, When I was in that year 11, year 12, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I'd probably had enough of school. So I got a job at the Bendigo Bank and worked there. Um, As you gain skills and life experience, it was probably then that I decided I wanted to be a teacher. Um, So I left the bank and I went back as a mature age student. Um, So I was 27 when I went back to uni. Um, And that was a, it was a really big ask because you know you're working you're getting money and things like that and then all of a sudden you have to go back to not as much money and studying and I hadn't studied for such a long time I was really nervous about how I would go but really once I started it was great and and I've never regretted it so yeah so that's probably you know where I started and then you know through my placements um, I did a placement at the school that I currently work at and it was then offered some um, relief teaching work and then a contract and yeah, and I'm still there today. Yeah, fantastic. So what was the reason that you decided that I, I want to be a teacher and then also in that then go into special ed teaching as well? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what prompted me to be a teacher. I think it was 
it was probably just that moment, you know, I've been working and, and I thought, you know, I wanted to do something else. And someone said to me, what did you want to do? And I said, I want to be a teacher. And they were like, why? And, and I just, I just wanted to be a teacher. So that's what I did. And as far as being special ed, that probably didn't happen until I'd done my first year of teaching. Um, and I really wanted to do a special ed placement. In those days, you didn't do a special ed placement until your third year of teaching. So I actually had to wait a long time before I could do a special ed placement. But the minute I did, I just knew that that was the place for me. You know, it, it was just great. I loved it. Yeah. And then once you had that third year one, did you have some extra opportunities after that to do? Um, well, it was, it, was, it was different back in those days because it was a Bachelor of Teaching after the third year and then your fourth year, you could do part-time while you're working. So I continued on and, and I actually, my fourth year was a grad dip special ed uh, human services, I think it was. Yeah, so it was sort of a bit different. We didn't have to do placements. Uh, and I was actually able to do most of mine in summer school. Um, I did do a week, oh, I suppose it was a placement, but it was actually at Mansfield Autistic Centre. And that was in the school holidays. And, and we went in to work with um, a family and a student at their holiday camp for that week. Um, and that was a certain amount of hours, but it was a fairly big block that counted towards my grad dip in those days. So that was an interesting experience. So yeah. yeah I'm sure it would have been, yeah. Awesome. So going back to when you were a student, yep. was there any teachers that inspired you to be the teacher oh. that you are today? This is a really good question, Todd, and thanks for asking. Um, and I know you and I have had a conversation around this. I don't think there was one teacher that inspired me. I think I was probably fortunate that there was uh, several teachers, you know, from when I was a kid and, and learning that probably um, impacted my, my ideas on, on what I'd like to be as a teacher. So there's lots of little bits that you would take from each teacher. Probably more so for me was the teacher I didn't want to be. So it's those teachers that you don't gel with, that you struggle with, that have probably been more of an influence on that's not how I want to be as a teacher. So that's probably how I would look at it. Um, and I think, and, and even now when I have teaching students from the uni, I always say your placements are really important because you get to work with a whole range of teachers and you should be taking like the best bits from each teacher and putting them together and, and creating your own teaching style from that. And I think that that's probably what I have done, you know, looked at, at the good teachers that I've had when I was a student learning and taken those little bits and thought, well, what made them a good teacher? Why did I like them so much? What did they do well that inspired me as a student to learn? And I think by taking all those good bits, you make yourself a good teacher. Yeah, I think that's a, a very, very good comment and very, very true. I think back to when I was on teaching rounds, that's you do take those really good bits from those teachers and those mentors that you've had along the way. Yeah. So I think it's yeah an outstanding point by you there. And it's great for any grads that are kind of listening and future people at uni to be listening to that and taking that on board. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the most important thing as a, as a teaching mentor, especially when you've got a student is to give them those really good groundings on, 
you know, what you do well and, and, and encourage them. But remembering that they've probably, they're lucky to have different placements and, and see different teaching styles and start using a combination um, to find their own style, which I think, you know, that's great. It's a great opportunity. You know, rounds are perfect for that sort of thing. So. Yeah, exactly right. And all teachers are different and all teachers do things differently. Oh, that's right. And I think that also comes into, you know, another thing about differentiation and, and how students learn. By learning different strategies and using different teaching styles, you're then actually, you know, getting to your whole audience, not just 10 kids. You've learned different ways to work with this student and then a different strategy to use with that student. And I think that that's what makes a great teacher. Yeah, fantastic. All great points there. So thanks for that. So I want to take a bit of a deeper dive into special ed now, if that's okay. Sure. So, awesome. So just some key kind of teaching strategies when you're teaching special ed uh, kids and students. Yeah, I think flexibility is the main one. Um, sometimes the day can just change so many times. You know, the littlest thing can sort of upset someone or you know somebody might have come in with a bad morning and it can really throw your whole class out you need to be flexible enough to to look at your lesson that day and think oh this isn't going to work today I'll put that away for another day and I'll go with something else so it is that flexibility and the ability to understand and know your students that's probably one of my biggest things that I bang on about all the time you have to know your students. By knowing your students, you know how they learn, what strategies to use, are they ready to learn, what can I do to get them into that optimum learning space, things like that. Yeah, you've got to really know your students and I think that's, that's the key to special education is knowing your students and, and how they're going to be that day and, and what we can do to make the learning better for them. And like you might need to change the environment, you might need to change the lesson, you might need to just throw everything out the window and have a break outside for 30 minutes and then come in and try again. So, yeah, flexibility, know your students is probably the keys, I think, to special education. And I'd say involved in that as well, Melissa, would be the relationship building as well. Yeah, really important to build that relationship and not just with the student, but also with the families. You know, some of our students might have really serious medical conditions um, and their families can get quite anxious about that. So, you know, the better rapport that you build with them and the understanding, it just makes everything so much easier and makes your classroom run a bit smoother. And of course, the other thing within a special ed setting is we have high staff ratios. So you're not just a teacher in a classroom on your own. There's there's often, we have a lot of classrooms that now do team teaching. So there might be two teachers in there, but also we have education support staff. Sometimes there might be one, sometimes there might be three. So, you know, that rapport that you build is not only with your students, but also with the team that you work with and your family. So, yeah, that's a big part of special education. Yeah, and I guess as well, you'd have to be communicating and talking with those other staff that you're working with constantly as well, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, that's a big one, Todd. That's, that is so true. I think communication is really important in, in any teaching setting, um, you know, especially if you're working, like now we're using professional learning communities and, and things like that, you know, just so that you are all on the same page and working with the same goals and, and understanding things, but also respecting everybody's differences because we are different as teachers, you know, and we do have our different styles. So you, you need to understand and accept that, but also work together. 
Um, and obviously our education support staff are a really important part of our school. And I believe you should work as a team. It's so important for them to understand what I'm teaching and why and, and what I want the students to learn from this and that sort of thing, because they'll, they'll often assist you to implement programs and strategies. So they do have to have an understanding of I'm doing this for a particular reason or um, you know, I'd like you to do it in this way. It might be different to how another teacher wants to do it, but I'd like you to do it in this way. And I try and give an explanation as to why. I think that does help, you know, someone then know what you want done. So when catering for your special ed students, but also thinking about mainstream schools as well, when you're catering for those students and the individual differences, what are some really good and great strategies in those school settings, do you think? Look... For us, I think our, our best strategy that I would really like to see implemented in mainstream schools is the use of our visual supports and visual aids. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at the outside world, it is always supported with visual supports. And it doesn't matter whether it's in Australia or another country. If you go somewhere, everyone knows what the sign for the toilet is, you know, or a camping ground or where you're going to eat or a shopping centre. They have little pictographs that that's are universal. And, and we use a lot of visual supports for our students. Um, and it might be in the form of a daily timetable. It might be in the form of a script for them so that they know what activity they're doing now and what activity is coming next. And you know, when it's time to have a break, when it's time for morning tea, those sorts of things. Um, so we have single visuals, we'll have um, a script of visuals, we use lots of other communication aids as well. So not only do our visual aids support the student in knowing what's happening, they can be used as a communication aid as well. Uh, and I think mainstream schools, that would be great you know, just even that visual timetable so a student can look up and, oh, yes, we've got writing first and then we've got reading, then we're going to do maths, then it's time for morning tea and then we're having a play outside. It might take away some of that anxiousness or, you know, keep them on track so that they know what they're doing. I certainly think that's probably one of our key strengths that we have and I would like to see that in a mainstream school. You know, I think particularly with the students that I teach, they really enjoy those visual opportunities that they have. They love to know what's happening and yeah. they love that structure and routine of being able to check out the timetable and see, oh, this is what we're doing today or this is what I'm doing next. Yeah. Um, it really helps them and assists them to have a kind of smooth, calm day. So I can see what you're saying in those yeah. visuals are being so critical and important. Yeah, and I think it also helps with your reading skills too. Obviously, our visual supports are a picture and they do have the words underneath. So, you know, it does assist with some reading and literacy skills also. Yeah, I just think that's a great, it's one of our greatest things that we do, I think. And then, and everybody knows what's happening, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So a bit of a topic that I want to bring up here, dual enrolments. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Melissa? Yeah, another great question. Um, and this is something that I've seen a lot of in my career as a special educator. For some families, the thought of a special school is, is really scary. It's really daunting. You know, especially if they haven't been to a special setting, they sort of have some preconceived ideas. And, and we do find that if parents come and do a tour, those preconceived ideas go out the window and they realise how amazing you know, and fantastic it is and, and the facilities that we have 
and our, you know, our whole learning program and, and they're usually blown away and then are really happy to come. Some students do suit well to dual enrolment, but I think we've seen more success with students that come to us first full time. And once they learn those routines, the expectations um, and, and what happens at school, we do find that they move on better to dual enrolment. And it might be that um, slower dual enrolment might be a day initially for a while and, and you might build up to two days or move up to three days down the track. But we, we do find that for dual enrolment, the students are, are better to come to us initially full time and then look at that dual enrolment process. And I think there's more success in that by coming to us said they learn all those basics and that sets them up for then success at a mainstream school yeah thank you thanks for your opinion there and then also another one so from my understanding all special ed schools are classed as primary is that correct yeah we do come under the primary banner which at times is really sort of tricky for us because we are technically a P to 18. So students come to us and they're eligible to stay in their 18th year. So it is, it's year 12. Um, but the tricky thing is it comes to reporting and I'm actually a specialist teacher. So I'm currently teaching health and PE and, and have been for, you know, five or six years now. And we're finding with our older students, so that sort of 16, 17, 18 year old, their ability to choose subjects is not there. So you think in a mainstream setting, once the kids get to year nine, year 10, they start choosing subjects that they like. Um, you know, year seven and year eight, they often have to do the music and the drama and PE and art and things like that. But then as they sort of go along, they can choose. Our kids don't really get that option because we have to report to the primary curriculum and that's where it's tricky so you know I've got kids that love PE and and they love coming to PE but then some of those kids really don't like music and they don't enjoy going to music but we can't give them that choice which is I think yeah unfair for them mm. um, because you know they've got interests just like you know everybody else and it's the same like you know I often talk the music teacher and I talk she'll have students that love music but they don't like PE. And if they were given a choice, I know they wouldn't choose PE. They'd choose music and they might choose drama and, and a few other things. And it would be really good if we could give them that choice, but we're locked into what we have to report against, which yeah. does make it tricky. Yeah. So. Do you think that'll ever change? I honestly don't know. It's, it's sort of been that like that for a long time. I suppose it, it comes down to special schools and, do they all get together like at the Principal Association of Special Schools? Do they talk about it and, and say, hey, we need to make some changes? And look, we have seen so many changes in the last few years, especially with the new curriculum. So when I first started at, at the school, we didn't have a curriculum as such. The, the state of Victoria didn't. There was the CSF in those days. But we actually had to write our own curriculum. So... There was a lot of schools that had sort of put together a curriculum document and we might share with them and then we'd share from someone else. And, and we didn't really have a great curriculum where now that we have the Victorian curriculum and it actually caters for special schools, which is the first time ever that we've been included. Um, so with the levels A to D. So for us, it's just been so fantastic because we've now got something to work 
towards um, and it's a continuum so and we've got progression points so we can actually start to map where our students are and notice their progression and things like that and I think that that's probably made us sit back and go hang on you know these these guys can do so much and they're learning so much but in sometimes we're limited we can't let them choose so yeah it would be great if it could change but whether or not it will I don't know yeah and I feel like it's starting to make as you were saying a bit of progress which is great oh it's for us it's been fantastic to, to actually have a curriculum and the levels A to D have been written by special educators and it's just for us, it's been wonderful because, you know, prior to that, you might have a classroom and, and we'd be writing individual education plans for them and have learning goals. And then you might have them for 12 months, but then they might move on to another teacher. And then sometimes that teacher might then reteach a goal that you've had or, and they're not necessarily moving forward. They might've just sort of been staying in the one spot for a while where now we can go back and we look and, and check the levels and, oh yes, they've met the criteria here. And, um, you know, they've got this progression point, you know, let's move them on to a new level and, and things like that. And I think that's changed our expectations as teachers as well. Yeah, I was going to say it actually gives you a starting point to start with. Yeah. And then you can progress and move or if you need yeah. to kind of reverse back a little bit, you can because yeah. you've actually got that curriculum there now. You can actually go from there and actually progress or whatever it might be. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right, Todd. And, and for that, it's been wonderful to have a document that we know the whole state's using and every special school is using and looking at it going, yeah, well, okay, this student's here. And that also works then if that student happens to move schools, like we can send their information on and say, well, they're at level D here. And that school knows where they're at. They don't sort of have to go back through and, and test them and try and see where they are. And, you know, um, and, it, and it has changed a lot of the way that we teach lessons and classes and subjects and things now. It's, it's certainly been great. We love the curriculum, so... Yeah, fantastic. I think it brings, as you were saying before, that consistency, having everyone on the same page of what yeah, that program is. Yeah, it is. No, it's great. Awesome. And before we continue to move on, is there anything else you want to mention about special education? Do you want to give a shout out to your school that you work at? Well, yes, I, I did speak to my principal and tell her that I was doing this and, um, and she was pretty excited. So I actually do work at the Bendigo Special Developmental School in Kangaroo Flat and just love it. Just love it. Great um, group of people that I work with, some fantastic colleagues, some excellent teachers. We've got a really good leadership group as well. Uh, we've actually a lead school for respectful relationships, which has been fantastic. So as a school, we've done so much professional development and moving forward and learning as teachers. And I think that certainly made us better teachers and, and I was sort of talking about it before, the expectations of our students. I think we now expect more and our students have actually risen to that. And it's amazing some of the things that we're now doing where, say, five, six, seven years ago, we would never have thought was, were possible. Um, which it's just so exciting to see how much the school's changing and how much our students are progressing and the opportunities that that's giving them for when they're 18 and, and move out into the big wide world. So yeah, it's, it's great. We, yeah. we love our school. 
Yeah, fantastic. And I know the school is very, very lucky to have you. Uh, oh, thank school, you. Because <laughs> I know what an outstanding job you do and what a great mentor you are for so many staff and so many teachers there, but also for all your students as well. Thank you. Yeah. So a goal for the future, Melissa? I think um, one of my big goals for the future is for me to keep learning. I think as a teacher, you still learn every day. There's always something new. And it is, it's about that upskilling myself makes me a better teacher. Probably technologically, I'm a bit challenged. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I do want to learn, you know, more about some, you know, things like that. And, and I am getting there. I look, I'm, I'm all over Google Drive nowadays. So that's been great. Um, but obviously, you know, my passion for the last few years has been health and PE. And, I, and I'm more than happy to stay there. But if an opportunity came along for something else, I'd, you know, be more than happy to, to take that too and, and um, extend my own learning and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, best and worst thing about teaching? I think the best thing about teaching for me is the kids. I love the kids. My students are just amazing and, and we have, yeah, they're just terrific and, and they keep you going. They really do. And it might be those little milestones. It might be those big milestones um, and it might be the joke that they've told you that day. You know, that's probably the best thing I think about teaching. Yeah. The worst thing, oh, the planning. I hate all the planning. <laughs> I just want to get in and work with the kids. So you know, it's it's that admin side that probably is the hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Overused uh, teaching cliche. Oh, it's one of my favourites. And I hear it all the time when people ask me where I work and I tell them they and they always say, oh, it must be so rewarding. And I, it's really a statement I don't like because I view my students as my students. To me, they're just kids. They love to learn. They love a joke. They love music. They can be happy. They can be sad. They can be cranky. They're no different to any other kid out there. So for me, it, it's, you know, I, I'm just working with students and, and they're just ordinary everyday kids that might learn things in a different way. So, yeah, I, I don't find it rewarding as such. I love my job. I love working with the kids, but I certainly don't do it to make myself feel good or anything like that to me yeah they're just kids and and they need as many opportunities as everybody else so yeah, yeah. perfect thank you so melissa are you up for a game oh you know me toddy i love a game you do love a game and normally very competitive oh extremely <laughs> competitive probably my undoing at times but yeah very competitive I've seen you on the volleyball court yeah. a few times and I oh. have seen that. And you should see me in the staff room when we're reading the trivia questions. I get pretty competitive then. <laughs> Love it. So uh, I'm assuming you'll be up for this game then. Yep, for sure. Excellent. Well, this one is called Todd's Quick Questions. Right. So what I'll do is I'll ask you a bit of a question. And a lot of them are, would you rather this or this? And you have to pick one or the other. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Ready? You ready to go then? I'm set. Okay. Coffee or cocktail? Oh, yeah. Tricky because I do love a cocktail, but I do love a coffee. I think probably a cocktail. I think cocktail's the way I'd go. Yeah. 
And I hear that you make some lovely coffees on a Friday for all your staff. Is that right? Yes, yes. So we actually um, have a, a career pathways program of a Friday with the students and we do run a canteen. Unfortunately, in COVID times, that's a bit tricky. So we've actually been making coffees and um, things like that for our staff. So we do coffee, chai latte and hot chocolates. And um, some of my students are going to be great baristas. Yeah, which is terrific. Yeah, Love lots it. of fun. Yeah, that is fantastic. Okay, next question. We got a little bit off uh, topic there, but that's yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no I, I started that one. Uh, so, coloured pen, uh, blue, black, red. What do you go with? Oh, it has to be black. I think from my bank days, red pen's a no no. Red pen usually means bad stuff. You know, blue pen's okay, but I think black pen's that, um, that bold colour. Excellent. Uh, would you rather deal with a photocopy a jam or the printer runs out of ink oh as i said i'm technologically challenged and i have a bit of trouble with the photocopiers frequently um i think i'm pretty good with a paper jam i reckon i can fix that most times yeah yep. so paper jam excellent uh teaching on a full moon or a windy day oh teaching on a full moon's better than a windy day yep oh yeah Oh, no, that is tricky. Sometimes full moon can can bring out maybe a windy day. I think, yeah, maybe a windy day. Yep. Yeah. Chopping and changing there. I know. It's just, <laughs> it's so hard because I think it affects different people in different ways. But, yeah, I think a windy day we could probably deal with more than a full moon. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, whiteboard markers, are you a fine tip or a chisel tip? Oh, well, that's a bit of a secret, Todd. I actually failed whiteboard at uni. Um, so I'm, it's not my strong suit and I do like a chisel tip. I, that sort of helps me out a little bit, yeah. Yep, love it. I'm a chisel tip as well. It helps with the left hand. Yeah. Uh, APT, so your planning time. Do yep. you prefer that all in one block or spread out during the week if you had an option? Yeah, I think a block's the best way to go. When you sit down, you can actually smash it out when you've got that time. Um, often if it's just a, a little block, by the time you've sort of got your computer on and you've sat down and you've got a drink, your time's gone. So yeah, definitely in a block. Excellent. And last one, tying wet shoelaces or wiping a runny nose? Oh, wiping a runny nose any day of the week. Yep. No, nah. wet shoelaces, not my thing, but yeah, runny nose, no worries at all. Yep, fair enough. Well, that's the end of Todd's quick questions. I'm going to say that you win the round and the game because I don't want the feedback afterwards if you uh, if I said you'd lost. <laughs> that's right, because, you know, I like to win. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but that is actually as well the end of the podcast. But Melissa, again, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story and your thoughts on um, special ed teaching and some of your ideas and thoughts on that as well. So it's been a privilege um, having you on the podcast, the teacher podcast today. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. Oh, look, it has been lovely. It's nice, I think, to reflect back on what we do and why we do it. Um, and I think it's really nice to share 
Um, and, and look, our school has an open door policy. We're happy for other schools to come in and for their staff to come in and, and have a look at some of our classrooms and how we do things. And I think for us, it is about sharing that knowledge um, and, and what we do with other people. And, and I hope I've shared some of that with some of your listeners. And, and if anyone's got any questions or want some further information, on, you know, our school's always happy to have a chat and we're more than happy to help out with anyone so thank you for having me and it's been lovely to have a little reflect on 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 me so yeah beautiful and uh keep up the amazing job that you are doing and um yeah thanks for again sharing all your thoughts and ideas and love that you're open and your school is open for people to come in and everything like that that's fantastic that's what it's all about I think so I think it is I think we all need to work together to become you know better at what we do so absolutely so yes thank you once again um and have a lovely rest of your evening and um i look forward to talking to you really soon thanks todd that was great thank you very much see you later bye and that is the end of the third episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast hopefully you've enjoyed listening to melissa and all her wonderful stories about her career and also special education I look forward to you joining me again for episode four. See you later.